Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to What Goes Up, a weekly markets podcast. My name is Mike Regan. I'm a senior editor at Bloomberg. And I'm Valdana Hayek, a cross-asset reporter with Bloomberg. And this week on the show, well, stocks are all over the map again, with benchmark indexes moving 1%, 2%, 3% or more each day between their highs and lows. And treasury yields continue to creep higher. Most are at the highest in more than 15 years. Meanwhile, just about everyone is convinced that at least a mild recession is on the horizon. So what on earth are you supposed to do with your money at a time like this? We'll get into it with the chief market strategist of a major investment company. But first, Vildana, just get it out of your system. I I know what you want to do with your money. You want to bet on the Buffalo Bills at this Forever. point. Yeah, or at least forever. at least gloat about the Buffalo Bills. So get it out of your system. Go ahead. I'm not going to gloat. I'm a very superstitious person, so I need good karma. So no gloating on, on my end. However, okay. Josh uh-huh. Allen is a superhuman. <laughs> Did you watch the game? He is pretty good. Yeah, I watch. I watch most of it. I uh, I still. Did you see him jump over that man? He jumped yes. over a man. Yes. Who does yes. that? He jumped like eight feet into the air. Not me. I can barely jump over a small child. How a, a woman f- who grew up where you grew up is not an Eagles fan or at least a Giants or Jets fan. I would I would even allow Giants or Jets. No, you know, bite, no. Bite your tongue. Not, not the Giants. Just, no, no, no. Yeah. No, it's, the Eagles. I'm with you on the Eagles. Definitely. Uh, right. And I'm rooting for them. I'm, I'm happy that they're doing well. But... The Bills are so fun to watch. Was your husband lured you into the Bills nation? Yeah, he's he? from Buffalo. Yeah, he's right. from Buffalo. Well, you're you're a good wife. I, I my wife is an Eagles fan too. There's no way I could have lured her away from the Eagles if I. Uh, I have I an tried. Eagles jersey. Of all the games I've been to in my life, the majority of them were Eagles games. All right. There you go. I'll give you that. How many folding tables are left in your apartment right now? Oh, n- none, none. They've all been broken through. They've all been broken. Yeah, all right. by, Fair by Bills fans. Yeah. Bills fans who set themselves on fire and then jump through tables. <laughs> as, as one does, yes. We have a guest here with us. <laughs> we should bring her in. Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Christina might be a, a Jets or a Giants fan, but we'll, we'll leave that for another conversation. All right, spill the, spill the beans, <laughs> Christina. Who's your team? The Knicks. The Knicks. Yes. The Knicks? It's like it, it's like um, perpetually being in the seventh circle of hell. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to say anything. But you set, definitely develop uh, an important skill uh, in terms of, of patience and persistence and and 
constant optimism or else you would just exactly or else you would just lose your mind that's a buy and hold franchise i guess (laughs) (laughs) for sure but um christina markets have been very interesting the last couple days and i was hoping to just start out with you talking about what it's been like to be a part of this market to be watching this market and everything that we've seen going on where we have these you know stretches of days where it's up two percent down two percent up two percent down 3%, up 3%. It's just very volatile. It's incredibly volatile. And yet, in a way, it makes sense given that we have this one key driver of markets this year, and it's been the Fed. And really, the just dramatically shifting expectations around what the Fed is going to do. The Fed has even surprised itself. You know, if we look at the dot plot from December of, of 2021, they thought they'd be at 90 basis points at the end of 2022. Now they think as of the September dot plot, they'll be at 440 basis points. That to me is monetary policy whiplash. And those kinds of surprises are are why we see the volatility, not just in stocks, but in bonds. You know, Christina, I know a lot of people were hoping that at least we get some diversion uh, from the Fed focus during earnings season. And it seemed like, you know, the first couple of early reporters uh, really sort of reignited some of the bullish instincts in the mar- market. And that's why we saw some some really big gains. What are you looking out for in earnings season? Uh, wh- what have you learned so far? Um, you know, is there enough meat on the bone in earnings to to maybe overpower that Fed uh, fixation in the market? Great question. So, And great question. So let me start at the beginning. What I've learned so far, um, first of all, it has been, you know, fairly focused on financials thus far. Um, what we've learned is that consumers and businesses are in pretty good shape, right? We've heard that from multiple bank uh, CEOs is that that the the consumer's in good shape, businesses are in good shape. Um, and, and that certainly is a positive in terms of being able to weather economic headwinds. But it is a negative in that the Fed doesn't seem to have cooled demand very much. Um, we also know uh, financial conditions are tightening. We're hearing that. We're seeing it in the data bank banks are providing in terms of, you know, the average FICO score for people they're giving mortgages to. Um, so fundamentals are, are solid, um, but but clearly lenders are becoming increasingly discerning, um, which is what the Fed wants to see. And we've also heard from a few airlines, um, one major airline saying that, that the summer was very strong and they don't think that the demand for travel, that thirst has been quenched yet. Um, so, so uh, you know, as I as I process the earnings reports, I'm, I'm beyond just the earnings results, which have been relatively positive. You know, my takeaways are that uh, the Fed hasn't necessarily achieved um, what it wants to uh, yet. And so we could be in store for a, for a fair number more rate hikes, um, given this environment. Christina, can I ask you, we used to think about the earnings season as, as a stretch of time that will give us clarity on, on things that are going on. Can, can we make that same case this time around? Or is it so much that there's so much uncertainty with the Fed, the macro outlook, etc., that the earnings season really even can't be giving us as much clarity as it might have in the past? I think that's true to a certain extent. I mean, let's think about it. You know, earnings season in general um, is is backward looking. What we can glean about the future comes from um, 
what is shared on the earnings calls um, to the extent that management teams are willing to provide an outlook. And I think it is um, far less clear because they don't know where the Fed funds rate is going to go from here. And they really don't know how much damage has been done thus far because it takes some time um, for that to actually make its way into the Main Street economy and and show up in data and certainly show up in their results. So I think the question remains, you know, when is that other shoe going to drop vis-a-vis earnings? Now, for some industries, it could very well drop this quarter, but but for others, it might not be this quarter. It might be next or beyond. So what do you think we need to see to get uh, either, not necessarily even a full pivot from the Fed? I think, you know, a lot of people would be happy with just sort of a go back to a 50 or 25 basis point rate hike. But what what really, where do you need to see that inflation start to cool off? I'm, I'm guessing, is is it the shelter and rent costs? Is that the, is that the main issue that's still uh, front and center for them, do you think? Well, I think that's certainly one key issue for them. But beyond that, I mean, what we're seeing is a labor market that remains very tight. And so that's showing up on the services side of the economy um, that's showing up in in the wage growth we've seen thus far. So, you know, the Fed, I think, is looking at, at the economy through a Phillips curve lens, and it believes it needs to achieve a certain level of unemployment in order to see inflation moderate. Um, I would argue that doesn't have to be the case, though, um, given this unique market environment where we have just such a high level of job openings, even after after the last JOLTS report, we still have more job openings than there are people to fill them. And so if we were to see a, a major slashing of job openings, that reduces labor mobility. Uh, and and so that goal of, of moderating wage growth um, c- could potentially be achieved without having very significant layoffs, without having a very substantial increase in unemployment. So can you talk about what you foresee from the Fed in the coming months? Because we had the Fed minutes come out uh, recently. It was just last week. And then also we had a report from Bloomberg where one of my colleagues actually looked through the minutes and found, uh, I guess it was some detail that others hadn't noticed, saying that Fed officials were worried that the that we were coming off of a, an extremely hot economy. And that that means that potentially they will be tightening for more aggressively or for for longer than previously thought. So what are you expecting from the Fed? Well, certainly the most recent FOMC minutes um, were not dovish by any stretch of the imagination. I think people held, you know, people um, anchored to uh, that statement about a few participants worrying that um, they were moving too quickly, they'd need to calibrate because of, of the delayed impact on the economy. But in general, I think what the Fed is telling us is that Inflation is not just job number one, it's job number one, number two, number three. Um, and that dual mandate really, that, that other part of the dual mandate is, is really getting, going, being put on the back burner, um, on the way, way back burner as it focuses on inflation. So that says to me that the Fed will definitely hike rates 75 basis points in November. Um, and I think 75 basis points is on the table for December as well. I think that's a very uh, real um, uh, likelihood, especially given you know some of the recent statements we've gotten um, arguing that uh, that 
you know, the Fed wants to front load rate hikes like the Bank of Canada. Well, you know, I thought we were like in the sixth or seventh inning when it comes to rate hikes. So to hear they're still talking about front loading um, causes a little concern and does raise uh, questions about when when this finally comes to an end or even just uh, eases somewhat. You know, uh, Christina, you mentioned the notion of the Fed uh, tightening until it breaks something. And it seems like uh, at the moment, it's pretty close to a consensus that uh, the U.S. is, is going to slide into at least uh, a shallow recession uh, next year. Um, but I also look at the market, you know, S&P 500 down as much as 25 and change percent from its high. Uh, NASDAQ index is down even more in the 30s of per- percentages. With everybody bracing for this recession, I mean, are we in one of these crazy scenarios where uh, the market is so far ahead of the economy that it, it's it's mostly all been priced in or, or almost all priced in? And if we do get that slowdown that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see that sort of contrarian instinct kick in and we'll, and we'll get a rally in the equity market. You know, is, mm. the, is the worst priced in, do you think? I don't think it's all priced in, but I do think some is priced in. I mean, what we've seen this year is a multiple contraction um, driven by the rise in the 10-year yield. Um, But has, you know, has earnings disappointment been fully priced in? Probably not because we don't know the extent of the impact to earnings because we don't know the path of rate hikes from here. Uh, So I think that there's that level of uncertainties that that makes it hard to price in. And uh, to me, I think there's the potential for another leg down. Are we going to go down as as much as we have thus far? No, I highly doubt that. Um, But I I do think we could see another five to seven percent drop to uh, before we get to the point um, where it's priced in and, and where we're ready to perhaps begin a bull market um, that is anticipating an economic recovery. And why has it been so difficult to price things into the market this year? Is it just because we have this discrepancy between what's going on with the labor market and what's happening with inflation and the Fed? Yeah. In a word, it's it's uh, 75 is the new 25. When you're raising rates in 75 basis point increments um, and you're not giving any time to for it to process through and make its way through the da- into the data, um, you're playing a dangerous game. And the more you're doing it, um, the more likelihood uh, you create of having a recession and a, a significant recession. So I think that is is what's behind this. I think there's a lot of uncertainty. And, and, and as you point out, there's uncertainty around inflation and where that goes from here. It's been stubbornly high. Uh, Christina, you know, when you say 75 is the new 25, be careful. You're setting Vildana up for a joke about my age. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't I wasn't going to say been... anything. Yeah, yeah. All right. Of course. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. 
I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Christina, you know, Invesco's uh, a, a huge company famous for a lot of things, a lot of different investment strategies. Um, but I think if you do like a name association with a lot of people, they'll go right to the QQQ, you know, the NASDAQ 100 uh, ETF. I think, you know, a lot of people that I've talked to, uh, I, I, I've always gotten the sense that once we got through the other side of the pandemic, when interest rates normalize, growth normalizes, and and life becomes more like it was pre-pandemic, that we'd once again see that instinct to buy big growth tech, uh, you know, really the, the main companies in the in the QQQ ETF. Is that still a real realistic as, assumption or, or anticipation? I mean, is are we going to revert back to where the big tech stocks are the stars of the show? Or are we just in a whole new paradigm now uh, for the time being or for the foreseeable future? Well, I certainly think that that uh, it's likely we revert back to to tech performing better um, than the cyclical side of the stock market in the near term. I mean, tech has been beaten down as it traditionally has been by rising rates. Um, but once we get through a, a period of time and adjustment, um, usually tech uh, then then starts to perform significantly better. Um, it's part of what investors now view as as the defensive uh, part of the stock market, and and so I think there's there's certainly going to be a real interest that doesn't go away. Also, just for the longer term, tech is a big part of innovation. It's a big driver of of where the economy goes from here. Uh, so so I think it's going to continue to be a significant portion of of most investors' portfolios. And as you meant, as Mike mentioned, you you guys have a this huge suite of ETF products, and I'm wondering if you are also tracking what the retail investor is doing because, you know, retail investors, they tend to favor ETFs a lot. But what is the retail cohort doing at the moment? Because I've seen some notes recently and some interesting research that's showing that they're selling into any rally really recently, whereas earlier in the year, maybe they were buying the dip because they had been sort of conditioned to do that over the last two years. So how important or what role is the retail investor playing in this market? Well, if we were to look at um, the AAII sentiment surveys, that certainly shows a very bearish level of sentiment among retail investors. But I think that's the kind of thing you need um, to help form a market bottom. Um, it can be a pretty temporary phenomenon. And unfortunately, I think some retail investors hurt themselves by doing that. In fact, I'd argue perhaps the biggest mistake made in the global financial crisis were those investors. And it wasn't just retail. It was also institutional that cashed out at or near the bottom um, and then locked in their losses and weren't able to participate in, in a recovery. Uh, so, so certainly there's some of that going on. But hopefully more investors are thinking long term. Hopefully, um, you know, a lot of, of the education that we've done has had an impact in terms of having, you know, well-diversified portfolio, um, both across and within the three major asset classes, and also thinking long term. Um, because, you know, as much as this is a 
difficult market environment and it's painful to read the headlines and look at the statements, um, it is still very much a temporary um, market environment. And for many that have 10 and 20 year time horizons, um, they hurt themselves by um, becoming panicked or letting emotions take over right now. And uh, Christine, I know you have a global focus, so I'm going to land the plane next in Beijing, China. Uh, The party Congress is going on this week. Week. Um, I don't think any major surprises, but it's become pretty clear that their COVID zero policies are, are not going anywhere anytime soon, uh, or at least won't be relaxed anytime soon. How are you thinking about China and its place in global markets these days? Um, you know, on the one hand, uh, COVID zero is, is sort of restraining growth there and, and possibly uh, still snarling supply chains to some degree. But on the other hand, uh, you know, that's at least one source of the world where uh, it's not necessarily an inflationary situation. I mean, maybe it is with the supply chains, but help us sort out how to think about China, uh, where it goes from here and sort of what the dynamics with the rest of the global markets will be. Well, actually, not differently than what we saw in the global financial crisis, China is in a very different place than Western developed economies, um, which makes a wonderful case for diversification of portfolios, right? Um, What we're seeing in China is uh, a central bank that has actually eased monetary policy this year as opposed to tightening dramatically. Um, We're seeing some some fiscal uh, stimulus that is significant. And so China's in a a very different place than than Western economies. So yes, uh, COVID lockdowns could potentially be a headwind depending upon what what happens in terms of of future waves of COVID. Um, But for the most part, China is is ahead in terms of um, when it's likely to begin recovering. And in fact, I think we're seeing signs of of recovery now. Um, And that's why if you look at, for example, the IMF's uh, projections that they put out last week in terms of of growth expectations for 2023, um, for a lot of major economies, they anticipate growth to be lower next year than this year. That's not the case for China. Their expectation is is uh, significantly higher growth next year. Um, so, and and I I think that makes a lot of sense, just given um, the positives that are going on um, in in the Chinese economy. Can you talk more about what your view is on on the possibility of us seeing a global recession? I think you had asked in one of your recent notes if a global recession is coming. <laughs> well. It is uh, very, very possible just given that we have so many central banks um, raising rates all at the same time. In fact, um, we heard from the World Bank last month and issuing a very stark warning uh, about how um, this is the first time in five decades we've seen this level of synchronicity in terms of tightening. And uh, you don't have to play that police song in the background while I talk about this. <laughs> but, um, uh, but you know, it is... Uh, it, it does increase the odds of a global recession. So we have to be um, vigilant about it. Um, uh, you know, at this point, I think that there is still the potential for us to avoid that um, if central banks were to pivot soon. We just don't know if they're going to pivot soon. Um, that is is the big question on, on everyone's mind right now. But every day that goes by that we continue to be as hawkish as we see the kind of tightening we see, I think uh, it increases the odds of a a global recession next year. Well, I applaud your taste in music. Now I'm going to now I've got police in my head. I'm going to have to go Mm -hmm. uh, go do a deep dive on the Synchronicity album later. 
take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, boil it down to us, Christina, with given everything we've talked about, what's what's the Hooper sort of recommended portfolio look like these days for for sort of your average investor with a you know a, a longer time horizon? Well, it doesn't look that different and it shouldn't look that different than the prescribed portfolio, the Hooper portfolio from 2019 or 2016 or quite frankly 2010. You know, and again, of course, it it depends upon the time horizon for an individual investor, but but you know, a good rule of thumb is, you know, a 55 uh, 30 15 type of portfolio where you have significant exposure to equities and not just within the US global equities and some dividend paying equities um, uh, and a very diversified fixed income portfolio um, I, I you know tactically I might overemphasize investment grade and government right now and then of course alts um, REITs in there infrastructure crypto. <laughs> well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, what I encourage is I, I, I say, you know, you all have to do your homework on crypto. And I've told my kids this as well as, um, you know, when I talk to investors and know there's a lot of interest in it. There are a lot of differences among the different cryptocurrencies. Some might work for some investors' portfolios, but others might do enough research and say this isn't for me. Um, but I think certainly be open to it and, and do enough research to know whether or not it fits with your risk reward profile. Do your homework. Bleh. Phil Donner, you probably love doing homework, didn't you? <laughs> I, I love doing homework, yeah. Yeah, I, I know it. I don't. Yeah, I'm taking French <laughs> classes now, and at the end, when she doesn't assign homework, I'm like, do you have extra stuff we can possibly be doing? <laughs> oh, were, were you a teacher's pet, too? <laughs> yes. I want to learn. Hello. <laughs> well, all right. Here's a little bit of a curveball addition to that question, Christina. If I'm theoretically an investor who's sitting all in cash right now, enjoying these juicy bunny market yields that are finally, you know, something uh, that doesn't round to zero, does, does that advice still stand? Well, what I would say is you don't want to go all in. You want a dollar cost average back in. But starting now makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've already seen a very, very significant adjustment in markets. I mean, fixed income uh, levels, uh, you know, fixed income yield levels are pretty attractive right now. Uh, so that's not to say we aren't going to see more volatility. Um, it's not to say that we might not see a leg down for the stock market, as I said, uh, as rates go up. But we can never, as humans, precisely pinpoint when to enter the market. Um, that's just very, very hard to do. So I think dollar cost averaging in makes a lot of sense in this environment where um, we've certainly seen significant losses this year and, and, and valuations are more attractive. Well, Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco, we really appreciate it. If you know, if you have some homework, you can give Voldana maybe a worksheet or worksheet uh, would be a, good. An essay <laughs> assignment. A I book, don't know. A book. To, do you want to start a book club? 
I actually am much more interested in a movie club. I find we it's just too, too much of a commitment to read, but I can easily watch a movie and then talk to you about I it. I just don't want Mike to be part of this club. V- Veltana will read the book and you can watch the movie. I think that a hybrid, uh, we'll just a hybrid be club. Us. Like breakfast, like breakfast at Tiffany's in that famous Seinfeld episode. <laughs> That's great. But we cannot let you leave quite just yet because we have a tradition on this show. Uh, some may call it a gimmick. I, I prefer tradition where uh, no guest is allowed to leave before they share the craziest thing they've seen in markets this week. You start us off, Feldana. Okay, mine is... Uh, Halloween, fall, pumpkin, um, Thanksgiving-ish related, I suppose. Really? I, it is, but I, I wanted to, I really wanted to use this one just so I can take the opportunity to say that all the reporters on the Cross Asset team are getting together to carve pumpkins, but I didn't are invite, really? I didn't invite you, so, yeah, and I'm, and I'm not extending the invite. That's, that's how it, it tends to go. You're not invited, so, anyway. Oh, it's so cold. <laughs> So pumpkin spice foods cost 160% more than regular versions of things. Did you see this really? story? Oh. This is crazy. It's called, they're calling it, I saw this on, on CBS News. They're calling it the pumpkin spice tax. So it's in everything. Lattes, croissants, hummus, which by the way, pumpkin hummus, that's pumpkin spice hummus doesn't sound good. Dog treats, etc., etc. So basically just... If anybody is has, you know, if any one of these companies has a, a pumpkin spiced version of a product, they can just upcharge you for it. And we all love pumpkin spice so much. We just go and pay it. Is Are there like pumpkin supply chain issues or is it just? No, I think just it's taking advantage. Taking of the, advantage. Yeah. I mean, a and, pumpkin, and, pumpkin spice latte at, at Starbucks, I'm pretty sure is like $36 right now. Yeah. And it it tastes 160% worse than the, than the regular one. Yes. I, I don't, I don't get this at all. Oh, I like that stuff, but yeah, I'll go with, yeah, really? I'll support you here, yeah. Huh. yeah. It can be good and bad. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big pumpkin guy. I like pumpkin. I love That's, carving them, This is them, why you're though. not invited. You're not I invited. I love to carve them, though, and I, uh, <laughs> I'm so hurt that I cannot join you carving pump- pumpkins. Uh, Christina, uh, how about you? What's the craziest thing you've seen? And, and you'll invite me pumpkin carving, I assume. Uh, I don't par- carve pumpkins. So huh. just so you know, you can talk to my kids. They'll tell you I am the worst mother ever. <laughs> uh, I do the bare minimum, and that includes never having carved pumpkins with them. So my apologies <laughs> to my kids. I'm so sorry. So no pumpkin right. carving for you this no year. No pumpkin carving. We can watch a movie about pumpkin carving if you want to, though. I'm just out of luck. Christine yes, is all about exactly. the movies. I, I uh, you know, that. again, there's very little commitment with a movie. You know, the, very the, passive. You can even do your work while you're watching it. You know, they need um, to make a movie about the Knicks for you. That would uh, a Spike Lee movie about the Knicks. That would actually, I'll give you a great Halloween movie that my son and I watched last week. What we do in the shadows. One of the yeah. funniest movies I've ever seen. Vampires okay. having to live an ordinary life, flatting in New Zealand. Not the TV show. I've the seen movie. the TV show. This is much funnier oh. than the movie. Okay, so, but on to, I was actually very serious. Valdana had such a light, like, nice Well, topic. just because I wanted to bring up the pumpkin carving. I love it. Well, I, I, I just, 
I just focused on inflation expectations because it's a head scratcher. You know, longer term inflation expectations over the last few months have um, gone down. It's been nice to see that movement down. And then um, within the last uh, week, week and a half, um, we saw a, an uptick in both the Michigan survey of longer term inflation expectations as well as the New York Fed. If that trend were to continue, that would be um, concerning. It is a surprise, just given that we're already citing, starting to see the air taken out of the sales of the economy. Um, but that is not how consumers see it right now. And, and uh, you know, five years ahead, three years ahead, um, the, the measure has gone up since, since uh, the previous reading. Are, are they, those the two best expectation readings, do you think, to keep an eye on? You know, I think it's it sort of I don't know if it surprised people, but it, it certainly many people noted it when it was I don't know if it was Dr- uh, Powell or someone else on the Fed really started talking about the Michigan survey. Yeah, um, uh, that so- that was that was actually what tipped him over the edge. That and the CPI print, if you remember back in June, they were messaging 50 basis points and then they got a, a hot CPI and a hot inflation expectations from Michigan. And within a few days, they had the FOMC meeting and, and they uh, decided for 75 basis points instead of 50. So you're absolutely right. They pay attention to it. I think consumer surveys are far more important to them than market-based measures of inflation expectations. Yeah. yeah. Well, as a Big Ten fan, I think they're giving way too much credit to the University of Michigan. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Tell, tell me what the Michigan State inflation expectations are. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's that's neither here nor there. That's a good markets right. joke. Really? Yeah. You're you're actually giving me credit for that one. Yeah, we should tweet right. it. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that you tweet that one. Okay. <laughs> Question for both of you: uh, How many iPhones do you think the two of you have each owned uh, in your lifetimes? I've probably had f- three or four. I go or very. Four. I've had mine. Still has the little push button. I go a very long time before I get anyone. Are you serious? Yeah. It's still got the push button? Yes. Which wow. number is that? What iPhone? Seven or eight or something. Really? Something. Yeah, it's it's doubled, basically. The numbers have doubled since the last time I got one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on 14 now, yeah. How about you, Seven. Christina? Including so, kids and family, how many, how many do you think you've gone through? Oh, in our family? I have three kids and a husband. So, yeah, I mean. I'm in the same, in, I'm in the same boat. So in total, we've probably owned, especially my daughter. I mean, she dropped, uh, it's an embarrassing story, but my, she was making my son take photographs of her. And she was telling him to get closer. She was in her swimsuit and he dropped the phone in the pool. So that was one right there. Um, and, and by the way, you have to race to get to that dryer to try to dry it out. And it uh, still yes. doesn't yeah, I'm, work. I'm familiar. You put so it in the I, rice bowl. And the, oh, yeah. God. You know, we tried everything. So I want to say like 22, 23. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm up there too. I was going to get, you know, with three kids, probably 15 to 20 at least anyway. That's and nice. Yeah. But no one cares for them. If you're paying for it, you care for it a lot more than when you're a kid and your parent cares for it. I've got mine in like an Otterbox case, like nothing's ever happened to it. <laughs> they all walk around with cracked screens. They couldn't care less, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Well, here's a, a crazy story for you. The iPhone 1. Did you ever, any iPhone 1s in your house by any chance? No. But I know what you're going to say. It it just auctioned for a lot of money or or something. And it's but it was completely wrapped in its package and untouched. All right. All right. Spoiler a little little bit of a sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was bad. I'm so sorry. You ruined it. I don't know what came over me. (laughs) 
So I think we know who's going to win the prices precise this week because yes, a buyer pur- purchased the first edition of the iPhone uh, sold by LCG Auctions. As you're right, it was in its case, unopened 2007 iPhone. So step up, you're the next contestant on the prices precise. Well, Donna, let's start with you because you clearly haven't read the story like Christina I haven't has. read the story. Not the prices. I, I, I'm not it is the price is right. No, 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 we play Price is. Oh, okay. Price is precise. We're afraid, a little afraid of Bob Barker. Is it is it even possible that there aren't a lot of these phones out there? Well, you got one right there. That looks yes. like an iPhone. <laughs> iPhone I know, that's what I was going to ask you. Don't, <laughs> Pretty good don't throw that one away. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's funny because you trade them in. You know, I, I, I've i traded so many in for the next model that uh, who knows. But um, uh, this was unopened in the box, which uh, if you're a collector nerd, it's always got to be in the box and unopened. Mm-hmm. Like, who? Who buys things and then leaves them in the box unopened? But okay. such is life. Someone realized, I guess, that this thing was going to be worth money someday. So and they saved it. Yeah, smart, so, smart. So what do you think? What do you think? And remind, mind you, this is only two thousand and seven, a mass-produced yeah. device. Mass-produced. Uh, we're not talking about a Van Gogh here, right? Um, I'll go with fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand, Christina Hooper. What's your prices precise? Yes. So I read the article, but I don't remember the number. I want to say it was fifty thousand, but it could have been two fifty. Yeah, thirty nine thousand, thirty nine thousand dollars. Did so I win? Kind of, you're kind of right in the middle there. What? You have to do the math there. So the, she said it could have been two fifty. I, th- I don't want to insult our guests, but I think you won. Yeah, because I think, I think I won. In price is Sorry, right. You can't Christina. go over. Yeah, so, yeah, you have to go under. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually yeah. a documentary on one of the winningest people on Price is Right uh, on not on Netflix in case anyone's interested. How much? Well, on Price is Right, you win like 50 bucks a time. Uh, you know, they, they've won all of like $300 probably. It's more of a social thing. You know, they get to be like this tight knit group. They're all standing outside in line to get on the show. My sister did uh, it really? once. I just remembered my sister was on the show once. There you go. Did she? Not How'd very she long ago, like two years ago. She won a bunch of stuff. Did she win a new car? No, I wish. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> new car. No, it wasn't a car. And dryer? She she won random things. It must be much harder now. What with inflation, you yeah. know, prices are changing so quickly. Oh, that's a good point. I wonder if it's yeah. There's cause and volatility in the prices, yeah. right? Probably they so. have inflation wow. adjusted prices right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's 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 kind of the theme of the whole markets this year. The prices are not right. They they. Uh... <laughs> so all right, well, Valdana, we'll get your sister on sometime to play the prices precise with us. I think I guess good she's at good at it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah she'd probably didn't... be better than I am <laughs> at prices precise. Right. Well, I think that is all our time. Uh, Christina Hooper, it's always such a uh, treat to catch up with you and, and hear your thinking. Uh, you explain the dynamics of the market so eloquently and clearly, and uh, we really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us and doing so. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. What Goes Up will be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal website and app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more listeners can find us. And you can find us on Twitter. Follow me at Reganonymous. Vildana Hyrick is at Vildana Hyrick. You can also follow Bloomberg Podcasts at Podcasts. What Goes Up is produced by Stacey Wong. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.